Hello, brothers and sisters. I hope you're doing well. I have a really important dream to share with you guys. I believe it's definitely a dream from the Lord, and it's a warning to all of us about these last days and what's going on right now in the church. It's a dream about false prophets. It's a dream about many people who think that they're saved, when in reality, they're not. And I want to share that with you. It's so important. So please watch this video all the way through and hear the dream that the Lord gave me which I believe is a warning to you and to all of us. In this dream, it started off, I was seated in an auditorium with a lot of believers and there was a prophet on stage. And it was amazing because this prophet of God was a true man of God who loves the Lord. And he had gotten a fresh revelation of the love of God. And because of that, he was so filled with the spirit and he was going around administering to people. He would lay hands on people and minister. He came to me. He laid hands on me, on my forehead. And I just felt this peace um, in my soul. And I thought for a second, is this of the Lord? And then I felt, yes, this is from the Lord. This is from the Lord. And so I felt the Lord's peace. And he went around and he would lay hands on people. And it was beautiful to see. Then he did something unusual. He went up to a woman and instead of laying hands on her, he stuck out his arm like this in front of her. And I thought that was really strange, but I understood what was going on because when he stuck out his arm, she came and began to play piano on his arm. And I understood God was using this man's prophetic gifting to minister to her about her musical gifting. And God was doing something unusual. And I think that that just speaks that sometimes even true prophets of God do things that are unusual, that might not seem um like they make a lot of sense to us, but they are of the Lord. And I knew it was something that God was doing. He was ministering something. But then things changed because soon this prophet of God, who was a true man of God, sat down. When he sat down, he changed. He became a false prophet. He was actually a man that I recognize, this redheaded preacher who I guess used to be a televangelist who would come up with all these tricks to try to get people's money. He would try to manipulate the crowds and he really exposed a lot of false preachers. He himself was a false preacher. He came out later on in his life and admitted that he was doing these tactics in order to get money. He admitted that it was false. So this true prophet of God, when he sat down, he suddenly became this false prophet, someone who was known for being a false prophet. And what's very interesting is this woman who he had ministered to before with the piano suddenly came behind him and began to play piano on his head. Now, what does that speak of? Well, first of all, it's so important to know that in these last days, many people that are true men or women of God can fall. They can sit down. They can fall from their place of righteousness and purity and become wolves. So we cannot put our trust in man. We can't put our trust in this prophet who's maybe a, a true prophet of God or this person who's a true pastor or anybody. We cannot put our trust in humans. We have to put our trust in God. It doesn't mean that we reject everybody who has a prophetic gifting. Of course not. We don't reject the pastors that are truly of God, but we make sure that we don't put our trust in them because we see that the sheep who was a true prophet of God, he sat down and became a wolf. 
there's something really important in early church writings that I want to share with you about this topic. I don't know if many of you guys have heard of the Didache. The Didache is an early church writing that talks about end times. It talks about how to live righteously and these kind of things. Uh, some scholars believe that it was actually written by the apostles. It's a very early church document and it's... Um, it's really incredible. I definitely believe it's of God. Of course, it's not on the level of scripture, but I want to read to you what they believed. And of course, they did not believe in a pre-trib rapture. And if I read the whole thing, you would see that. But let me just read part of it. It says this, and it's talking about the end times here. It says this, gather together frequently, seeking the things that are good for your souls, because it does not matter how long you have believed if you are not perfect in the final season of time. It's saying because it's so dangerous the things that are happening these last days it's so deceptive it's so sneaky and jesus talks about that too so it's saying it doesn't matter how long you've been a christian it doesn't matter how much time you've spent in church it doesn't matter how much you've prayed if your heart is not pure in these last days if your heart has not been perfected meaning matured meaning purified in these last days then you are in danger and it tells us why it says this because there will be plenty of false prophets and corruptors in the final days and sheep will be turned into wolves. That's exactly what happened in the dream. This sheep who was a true prophet of God sat down and shifted and became a wolf. So we cannot put our trust in man. That reminds me of a dream I had before as I, I believe some of you guys have seen that video where I describe how a true man of God who even preached holiness suddenly became someone who was telling people to get the mark of the beast and pressuring people to get the mark of the beast. And I warn in that video, just like I'm warning now, don't put your trust in man, put your trust in God because man can fall. Man could lead you astray trust in the Lord. So we're going to continue on in the dream. There's a shocking part coming up, but I just want to quickly read a little bit of verses about this topic. The Didache is great, but it's nothing compared to the words of Jesus Christ. So let's hear what the words of Jesus Christ have to say about this. Go to Matthew chapter 24, if you're following along with me. It says this in verse 9, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. They'll deceive many. That means it's not going to be obvious who the false prophets are. It's going to be deceptive. It's going to be sneaky. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And it says this again in verse 23. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ or there, do not believe it for false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect, even the elect. So it's saying that false prophets will even be able to do miracles. And I believe that's already happened in the world where people rise up and they do amazing miracles, amazing signs. And the church goes, wow, this is a true person of God. But Jesus said, we're going to know by the fruit if someone is a true person of God 
or not. We're going to know by their character, not by their miracles, because false prophets in these last days, God will allow them to do signs, wonders, and miracles in these last days. So we cannot put our trust if we see someone doing all these mighty miracles, all these healings happening, all these miraculous healings, and we can't think, oh, wow, that must be of God. Jesus said, you're going to know by the fruit if someone is of God. You're going to know by the fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit. So if that so-called prophet is an immorality, sexual immorality, if they are walking and continuing without repentance in all kinds of wickedness and drunkenness, they are not a true person of God and you should not follow them because many sheep will become wolves in these last days and we will know by the fruit. So continuing on in the dream. The next part of the dream, my spiritual eyes begin to open. And I believe this is symbolic of the church or people tr starting to get awakened in these last days. So what happened in the dream is my spiritual eyes begin to open. At first, I only saw partially. I saw someone in front of me with a black painted face. Now, this dream it has nothing to do with someone's race, has nothing to do with someone's skin color, but in the dream, those people who were not truly saved had a black painted face. So at first I only saw, I saw somebody with a black painted face and I was like, wow. But then my spiritual eyes began to open more and more. And suddenly I saw that almost everyone around me had a black painted face. Other people's spiritual eyes were also open. People were getting awakened and could see all these people all around that had black painted faces. In fact, there were so few people who didn't have a black painted face. It was maybe one in every 20 people who had a non-painted face. So almost everybody had a black painted face and people were shocked. They were looking around at each other shocked at who had a black painted face because you didn't think that. And I knew in the dream that it meant those people who are not truly saved. As in those people who are not truly going to heaven. So in this church service, shockingly, what I saw was so few people sitting in the pews were actually saved. So few people. And they were not expecting that. People didn't think that. People were shocked. There was a woman behind me with a purple streak in her hair. And I believe that sin signifies the glory of God or intimacy with the Lord. And she had no black paint on her face. So it was showing that she was someone who was truly born of God. Someone who was truly saved. In front, there was maybe one or two people in front of me. One or two women in front of me who were saved. Who didn't have the black painted face. But all around me were people who were shocked to find that they were not truly in Christ, even though they thought they were. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 21. And listen to the words of the Lord Jesus. He means what he says. He says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. So not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, I follow you, I love you, I go to church, I pray, I read my Bible. Not everyone who says that, who sits in the pews, is actually going to find themselves in heaven. It's only those who do the will of the Father. 
It says this, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness, you who practice sin is what it's saying. Because there's another verse that says sin is lawlessness. And what's the context? It's talking about every tree, every good tree bears good fruit. We're going to know if someone's true or false by their fruit. And it says this in verse 17, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. And this fruit that he's talking about is not saying how many people got saved in the ministry or how many people got touched or how many got people got healed. No, it's talking about the character of the person. What's the fruit of their life? Are they secretly watching pornography? Do they have lust burning in their hearts? Are their eyes full of adultery? Are they envious and covetous? Are they have out, do they have outbursts of wrath? This is how we see if it's a good tree bearing good fruit or not. Here's another passage I want to read to you that shows the seriousness of this. So go to Matthew 24, starting verse 45. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants, like mistreating people, calling people names, screaming at people mistreating people. It says this, if they start to beat their his fellow servants and eat and drink with the drunkards, what's that mean? That means worldliness. You're enjoying the things of the world. You're eating and drinking with the worldly people, the drunkards. That can mean, see, the Bible says friendship with the world makes us an enemy of God. Are you someone who eats and drinks with the drunkards? Do you enjoy hanging out or watching things that are immoral? Do you enjoy hanging out, watching things on the television, watching things on Netflix or on YouTube that are immoral? Do you eat and drink with the drunkards? It says this, The master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour that he is not aware of and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So the servant who is acting worldly, who's mistreating other people, Jesus will cut them in two and appoint them their portion with the hypocrites. Are you someone who's acting worldly and sinfully? that God will cut you in two when he arrives. See, in this parable of the servants, notice how both the wicked servant and the righteous servant were both servants of Jesus. Both the wicked and the righteous were both servants of Jesus. They were both people who claimed to be a servant of Jesus. Yet the servants of Jesus, the servants of Jesus who walked in wickedness, they were cut in two and appointed their portion with the hypocrites. What's a hypocrite? It's someone who says one thing and does another. Says one thing and does another. Are you someone who says one thing and does another? Are you someone who says, I love God. You profess him with your mouth, but in your works you deny him, being abominable and disobedient. Are you one of those people who profess Christ with your words, 
But in your actions, you deny him. You mistreat the people around you. You have outbursts of wrath. You had envies. You love the things of the world. You watch the wicked things of this world. Are you one of those people that is a bad tree bearing bad fruit? This is what will happen when Jesus returns. And in Second Thessalonians, it says this, starting partway through verse 7, it says this, When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, these shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints. So he's coming back to take vengeance on those who didn't know God. And remember, who is those who don't know God? Jesus said, depart from me. I never knew you, worker of iniquity. Those people who are in sin, I never knew you. So those who don't know God are not those who just say in their lips, Oh, Jesus, I follow Jesus. I go to church. I pray. No, those who don't know God are those who don't follow God, who don't walk with God, who don't do the will of the Father, who don't walk in holiness. The Bible says without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And it says he's coming to take vengeance on those who don't know God and on those who don't obey the gospel. The day when Christ returns, the Bible says that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed. So the falling away comes first. We know that Jesus is coming soon. Right now we're in the falling away. People keep waiting for it to come, but we're in the midst of it, the great falling away. Right now in the churches, let me give you some statistics. The Bible makes it clear that if you continue in sexual immorality, you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. And it tells that to Christians. It says it over and over. The sexually immoral will not enter the kingdom of heaven. But look at what's happening in the churches. Pornography is just a symptom of a deep sickness and deadness that has invaded the church. In fact, when they do studies, they find that the church views pornography about the same rate, almost the same exact rate as the world does. That is so shocking. So godless people who don't know God, who are dead in sins and trespasses, are viewing pornography at about the same rate as Christian men. That is shocking. Listen to this statistic. 68% of the church-going men and over 50% of the pastors watch pornography on a regular basis. So over half of the pastors watch porn on a regular basis. 68% of church-going Christian men, it's saying church-going men, watch porn. And 76% of the young people, 18 to 24-year-olds, actively search for porn. That is shocking. If people are in sexual immorality, they're not Christians. The Bible makes it clear you're not saved. You're on your way to hell. You're on the broad path to destruction. That is a full-grown sin that leads to death. That is a sin. The Bible says if you practice this, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. There's no way around it. The church is full of people who proclaim the name of Christ but are headed to hell. But pornography is just one sin. How many in the church are, have unforgiveness in their heart? The Bible says, if you don't forgive others, I won't forgive you. How many sitting in church pews have bitterness and hatred or unforgiveness or lust in their hearts? 
Even for those men who don't watch pornography, how many of the men are lusting after women in their hearts or the women? Jesus said, if you lust after a woman in your heart, you've committed adultery. And he said, cut off your arm and cast it from you. It's better to enter the kingdom of heaven with one arm than the kingdom of hell with two. That's how serious it is. So many in the church name the name of Christ, but don't realize that they are on the way to hell and that one day they will die and it won't be the beautiful sound of angels coming to get them, but it'll be the horrific sound of hellish dark demons coming to drag them to hell. At that point, it's too late. At that point, there's no chance to repent. At that point, the judgment is done and people slide deep into hell. If you wait to repent, then you won't get the chance. On this earth, it might seem like it's okay. How many in the church are friends with the world, watching all kinds of worldly wickedness, playing all kinds of worldly witchcraft video games and thinking that they're in Christ? Friendship with the world makes us an enemy of God. Our fruit will tell us where we stand. If you love and enjoy the sinful entertainments of the world, how can you say that you serve God? How many in the church lift up hands as if to praise the Lord, but their hands are full of filth and sin before God, before a holy, righteous God? Because of certain so-called Christian shows and movies, people have a totally wrong view of who God is. They think that God doesn't talk about wrath. God doesn't talk about his anger against sin. He doesn't talk about hell, but brothers and sisters, just read the Bible. God is a God of love, but he is also a God who has wrath abiding on the sons of disobedience. And the Bible says, don't fear man who can kill your body. Fear God who after you've died, he can throw your soul into hell fire. There'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The fire never goes out. There's never a chance to get water. There's never a chance to get rest. The Bible says you have no rest day or night. It's continual torment. Why believe false doctrines like once saved, always saved, that comforts your flesh, but in the end is a deceiving doctrine that the Bible does not support, the first church does not support. It's a completely false doctrine that's leading so many to hell and keeping so many Christians in their sin as they sit in the pews and think that they love Jesus. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So we see that most of the church is in sin. Most of the people that you sit next to in the pews are in sin. Maybe you yourself is someone who would claim the name of the Lord Jesus, but walk in sin. You bear bad fruit. Let me share this verse that's so important. See, the Bible says, test yourself, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith, unless indeed you've been disqualified. Unless you've been disqualified. How do we get disqualified? It's by continuing on in sin. When Jesus says, depart from me, worker of lawlessness or iniquity. So let me read in 1 John. You say, how is it? How do I know if I'm really saved? How do I know if I'm one of those people with the black paint on my face? Or if I'm one of those very few people who don't have the black paint on their face? I'll read it for you. Go to 1 John chapter 3, starting in verse 3. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness and sin is lawlessness. And you that he, 
and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins and in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. And it's talking about what sin is. It says it's lawlessness, breaking God's law. If you are someone who says, I abide in him, but you are doing those things that the Bible says, if you practice these things, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And it names lists and lists. It says the drunkards won't enter. The liars won't enter. Those who live and practice a lie. The Bible says the sexually immoral will not enter the kingdom of heaven. People that are in outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, these kind of things. The Bible says if you practice these things, you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. So if you're really born of God, you will not be doing these things. It says this, and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins and in him there is no sin. Yeah, Jesus frees us from sin. He takes away our sin. He washes away our past sin and he frees us from sin. The Bible says in Romans chapter six, we become free from sin and slaves of God. The fruit is holiness and the end everlasting life. And it says before it that we become free from sin and slaves of righteousness. So are you a slave of righteousness? Are you free from sin? Or do you go and watch immorality, pornography, wickedness. You'll know by the fruit where you stand before God. So it says this, whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. For his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. If you're truly born of God, you cannot go and continue on in sexual immorality. You cannot go and continue on in unforgiveness. You can't do it. If you're truly born of God, you cannot continue on in these things that the Bible says, if you do these things, you'll go to hell. These sins. The Bible says when sin is full grown, it brings forth death. If you are truly born of God, your heart will be purified. You'll love righteousness and hate evil. You'll be a truly new creation. Not just because a pastor tells you you're a new creation, yet you're still going on in drunkenness and immorality, all these things. That's false. You're not truly a new creation. If your fruit is showing that you're not a new creation, you're a new creation. When the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. Whoever sins is a slave to sin. That's what Jesus said. It says this, in this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Nor is he who does not love his brother. So this is how we know. The Bible tells us how we know. It's the same thing Jesus said. We know by the fruit. Are we practicing righteousness? Has God changed us? Or are we practicing evil? Now we do not get saved by our works we're saved by his grace through faith right but if we're truly saved if we're truly a new creation born again we will show by the fruit of our life we'll be a good tree bearing good fruit like jesus said a bad tree cannot bear good fruit a good tree cannot bear bad fruit so in this dream so many people had black painted faces I even asked the person next to me, I could see my own face was not black. I could see that it glowed a little bit. I could see kind of the glow coming off. And I asked the person, is my face painted black? They said, no. 
but almost nobody there, so few people there, didn't have a black painted face. And that should be really concerning. That should be really concerning. Are you someone who's deceiving yourself because those people were deceived? I bet if we went through the churches, almost everyone would say, yes, I'm saved. Yes, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm going to heaven. But how many really are? How many have bought this false gospel message that you can just continue on in sin and that grace is going to abound? No, the Bible says, shall we continue in sin? Certainly not. How can we who have died to sin live any longer in it? If we're truly in Christ, it'll be shown by the fruit of our life. And by abiding in the vine, we'll bear the fruit. But if we choose to not abide in the vine, the Bible says this, that we are cut off if we're not bearing fruit. So if you're somebody who's not bearing fruit in your life, you get cut off and thrown into the fire. The Bible says cut off, wither, and thrown into the fire. So you have to be a good tree bearing good fruit. So I want to share with you a passage that shows how many people will be shocked. They'll be surprised on that day of judgment when they stand before Jesus. And they'll be thinking that they'll be walking right into heaven. But find out that that's not the case. That they're headed away from God down to everlasting fire. So let me share this parable with you that Jesus shared in Matthew 25. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. And in prison, sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer him saying, Lord. See, they were saying, Lord. So again, these are people that are shocked. Lord, they thought that Jesus was their Lord. They thought that they were going to go with him to be in heaven. They're shocked to find out that they're on the side of the goats. They said, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So just like we read in 1 John, those who practice righteousness are righteous. Those who sin are of the devil. Look at the fruit of your life. If you're practicing righteousness or if you're continuing on in sin, are you a sheep or are you a goat? What is your heart? Are you bearing good fruit? Those things did not earn their salvation. Those things are the fruit of their salvation. That's how you tell if you're truly in Christ. It's not that they did all those good things in order to earn eternal life. We cannot earn eternal life. But it shows that they were people who let God come and change their hearts and purify them. And then they can walk in righteousness. And because of that, they were a sheep, but those who didn't let God come and purify them, they walked in sin. They walked in selfishness, lived for themselves. They were thrown into everlasting fire that's prepared for the devil and his angels. Yet they said, Lord, Lord. See, the Bible says that God will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend. 
in the kingdom of God, in the churches, there's many who will be gathered up and thrown into the fire. Many goats, many people who think that they're saved and they aren't. Many will hear, Lord, Lord. But yet Jesus will say, depart from me. I never knew you, worker of iniquity. I'm going to share with you another test that the Bible gives us to see where we stand before God. Remember, the Bible says, test yourself, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Unless, of course, you've been disqualified. So here's the test. Galatians chapter 6, it says this in verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I told you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So just like we read in First John, those who are practicing righteousness are righteous. Those who sin are of the devil. That's what the Bible says. If you're practicing these things, don't think that you're going to enter the kingdom of heaven. It says this, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So if we're in Christ, that has been crucified. We no longer walk in immorality. We no longer walk in adulteries. And don't forget, Jesus said, if you even lust after a woman, you have committed adultery with her in your heart. You will be charged as an adulterer. I heard a story of one pastor. He was going around and he was ministering and the power of God was in his meetings, but he had a secret. He was lusting in his heart. And one day God told him, that he would not enter the kingdom of heaven. If he were to die, he wouldn't enter heaven. But he seemed like a good pastor. He wasn't actively doing anything, but in his heart, he was lusting. And that lust in his heart was enough to send him to hell if he would have died. I heard another story of a woman of God. She was mightily being used by God. She had uh, visions of heaven, she felt God's presence. She would be um, out evangelizing. She actually led an evangelist team. And she would weep over the lost souls. Powerful intercession. She seemed like an incredible, mighty woman of God. But then God actually took her to hell. You say, that kind of thing doesn't happen. No, yes, it does. God in his great mercy can show someone hell, can show someone where they're headed. And that happens a lot. God does that because of his love. So she was actually taken to hell, not as God trying to just show her something in order to, to have her teach other people. No, she was actually taken there and she was tortured there. And then God in his grace brought her back and she knew that she was guilty of hell. Why? Because she had unforgiveness in her heart. So it doesn't matter if you're feeling the presence of God. It doesn't matter if you're weeping during worship. It doesn't matter if you're evangelizing. If you are in sin, you will not make it. Adultery, it says. Also, Jesus said, whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Jesus said that multiple times. There's so many things that the church does not realize will send someone to hell. There's so many things that the church does not realize that the church is 
in the midst of the great falling away. If you just read the scriptures, if you just read the writings, the epistles, the writings of Jesus, you see very clearly the standard of God and what will send someone to hell. It's listed over and over. If you're continuing in sin, it brings forth death. Even if you say, I'm a Christian, there's no such thing as once saved, always saved. The Bible says that if you continue in deliberate sin after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice to cover your sin. There's only the expectation of judgment and indignation of God. It says, because you treated the blood of the covenant, which made you holy, as if it were common and unholy, and you insulted the spirit of grace. So people who know God and know the way of righteousness and have been changed, have received the blood of Jesus, have had the Holy Spirit, can fall away and disdain the cross of Christ. They can insult the spirit of grace and they can find themselves in hell when they die. Do not buy the lie, the deceiving, seducing spirit that says that you can continue in your sin. Continue in immorality and just because you asked the Lord into your heart years ago that somehow you're saved. You're not. You're going to know by the fruit. You can absolutely lose salvation. And so I hope that this message has woken you up. Search the scriptures. Don't search YouTube. Go to God. Search the scriptures. See what the Bible actually says without commentaries and deceiving people, spewing lies. This is your soul. This is your soul. Hell is a real place. It's absolutely real. So for those of you who feel convicted, who feel like, yes, I'm not a good tree, bearing good fruit, all you have to do is to cry out to God and repent. Say, God, forgive me. I'm so sorry. I recognize I'm not a good tree. I've been deceived. I recognize that I'm not a good tree. I've been deceived because I was the same way. I was also thinking I was going to go to heaven, but I wasn't. I was in immorality. I was in unforgiveness. I had outbursts of wrath. It wasn't until I realized the truth that I really cried out to God and deeply repented that I got set free and truly, fully born again, a new creation full of love and righteousness and purity and holiness by His power working in me. None of this is done by our power. That's a common misconception. Holiness is not something that we can do because our own righteousness is as filthy rags before a holy God. We cannot earn salvation, but God in His grace, while we were yet sinners, died for us. And then His grace comes and it changes us. It teaches us to live a godly life, Titus 2 says. This grace is an enabler to live holy, to deny ungodly lusts, and to live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. So if you are walking soberly, righteously, and godly, then you are under grace. You are abiding in the grace of God. But if not, if you're walking in deliberate sin, the wrath of God is abiding upon you. The Bible says that people are storing up wrath on the day of wrath. The sons of disobedient, the disobedient children are storing up wrath on the day of wrath. So now's the time to repent. So I was the same way. I had to repent. I had to truly cry out to God deeply and confess and God forgive me. God changed me. God gave me godly sorrow. And I deeply repented. And then I got born again, truly deeply in my heart. And I became a new creation. I didn't even recognize the old me. I hope that you will not just brush off this warning and say, ah, oh, nah, it's not for me. I'm good. And you go back to teachers that are telling you what your itching ears want to hear. I hope that you're not one of those people. 
because I don't want your conscience to become seared with a hot iron like the Bible says will happen to people in the latter days where the love of many grow cold and their consciences get seared with a hot iron, meaning that they can't even feel the conviction of God anymore. They can't feel conviction in their conscience anymore. They've just continued in sin for so long and ignored the prompting of the Holy Spirit for so long that their conscience has been cut. It's been seared. That their conscience has been seared with a hot iron. That would be a horrible place to be at where you can't feel the conviction of God. If you're somebody who needs that godly sorrow, that you can truly repent, just cry out to God and ask Him for godly sorrow and keep in that place of deep repentance and mourning until you feel that godly sorrow and you can truly repent and He'll come and make you new by His power. See, we are not saved by our works. God saves us while we are yet sinners, while we're still in wickedness, while we're enemies of God, and nothing we can do can earn our salvation. It's impossible. But in that state of separation from God, Jesus comes. If we repent, choose to turn away from our old ways, turn away from wickedness, turn away from sin, turn away from self, denying ourselves, and we say, Jesus, now I follow you. We have that change of mind that produces the change of action. We follow Jesus. We get baptized and filled with his Holy Spirit. We get made a new creation. We get born again, born of water and spirit. It's a miracle that God does that we do not deserve. And when we're truly born again, we will bear good fruit. And by abiding in the vine, we'll bear the fruit. But if we choose to not abide in the vine, the Bible says this, that we are cut off if we're not bearing fruit. So if you're somebody who's not bearing fruit in your life, you get cut off and thrown into the fire. The Bible says cut off, wither, and thrown into the fire. So you have to be a good tree bearing good fruit.